This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 398, recorded on April 18th, 2019. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find the way here. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Costin, broadcasting live from the Average Guy at Team Studios here in beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Mike is sitting outside. Weaker, why Why are you outside? What's the deal? You know, I've got a lot of in-laws staying with me. You guys know that I podcast from my man cave in the basement, but in that basement, we actually convert that over to a uh, a guest whole area. We've got we've got twin one-year-old staying with us. We've got in-laws staying with us. we got the whole crew in the house. So I said, you know what? Maybe I'll just take over the back patio. And that'll be my space. So coming to you live from outside uh, my my house is me. Makes me jealous. Made me want to go out on the deck tonight. I didn't know you were coming in until late. I would. I know. I, I, it was deck. a late call. Actually, I was, right. I was like, shoot, I'm not going to be able to do it from anywhere else. So this will have to work. Well, it's like when we had Edward on and he was smoking the cigar outside on his deck and it just kept getting darker on him. So yeah, I, I did turn the lights on in advance. So the lights are on. So as it gets darker, the light should All fill right. in. Hopefully we'll see. Well, don't forget, we post the show with world-class show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. Don't forget, you can join us live on our mobile app. Really the best way to get that. Just download it, homegadgetgeeks.com. Android, iPhone, download it. It's streaming only, but if you're on the road in a train, in a plane, in a car, those kinds of things, really the best way to stream the show and get it. You can get it for free. We thank our Patreon subscribers for helping us pay for that as well. HomeGadgetGeeks.com gets it done. I think we added another 15 or 20 more to the Discord group this week. And so if you want to join us, many of you said you hated Facebook. And so here's the alternative, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. You can join us out there as well. All the way to the left, although, yeah, he's all the way to the left as well. Tony Rayner is joining us. Tony is a longtime listener. Tony, we've had you on before, right? You're, you're, um, this isn't the first time you're on, right? And don't forget to unmute your mic that now that I, now that I made you software mute it. I think it was a home server show a couple of times, oh, but I okay. don't think on your show yet. Okay. Wow. So first time I owe you a t-shirt apparently to get that done, but uh, thanks for joining us. And really, Tony, thanks for the last two interviews. You've really kind of helped us set up. We have Patrick Stewart with us tonight. Hubitat is coming in here and Patrick, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Great to have you on. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being on, being on the air and uh, having me uh, join you tonight. This will be fun. Yeah. It's always awesome when our listeners reach out and say, hey, we'd really like to hear from and fill in the, you know, fill in the blank. And oftentimes, like in this case, Tony helped me kind of broker this. He was like, I'll oh, reach out and then we'll make this happen. And and so, Patrick, let's to get to get to know you a little bit. Give us a little bit about who you are, what you do for the company, and then maybe a little bit about Hubitat. Sure. Uh, well, I, you know, like you said, my name is Patrick Stewart. It's spelled S-T-U-A-R-T. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, love to hear uh, the best uh, uh, jokes. Uh, you got to get that a million times, right? I, that's that's day, like yeah. the Michael Bolton joke. On it is, it, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will tell you just briefly, I worked uh, I worked in the printing industry for uh, almost 15 years. And uh, there's a gentleman who has it far worse than I. And I'm not kidding you. His name is Charlie Manson. <laughs> So every time it couldn't be worse about my yeah. name, I'm like, hey, I got Professor X or I got Captain Picard. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, those are the two things that we oh, can I get. I know there's a 12th Picard. century conqueror of Europe, but that rarely comes up. <laughs> yeah. But Charlie Manson, I'm telling you, change your name. I know. You know? And he goes by Charlie, right? Yeah. It's not Charles. Not Chuck. Not, 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 not Charles. 
No, Charlie. He, yeah. and, he, and, he, and, he, and he loves it. So, um, so if you're listening uh, to all this Charlie Mansons, Patrick Stewart is available. You can change your name to Patrick Stewart. It's much better. But Super. Uh, yeah, so besides having to deal with that virtually all my life, uh, yeah, I, I did spend uh, a long time in the printing industry. I uh, started in home automation uh, in, the, in the late 80s uh, when I got my first job at Radio Shack, bought a an X10 kit way back then on my employee discount and uh, decided that I didn't like waking up to the annoying uh, sounds of an alarm. So I wanted a nice uh, sunrise. Uh, I was, I, I'm, I'm from the great Northern uh, plains of Minnesota. So, uh, you know, in the, in the doldrums of winter, you know, we, we get about five hours of snow of, uh, well, five hours of snow. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's <laughs> 500 days of snow a year, but no, uh, five hours of sun. So, I wanted to wake up to the sun, uh, and and that and so I automated a uh, a, a light bulb to fade uh, up and down. So, so yeah, that was uh, that was my first foray into it, and then it just grew into an addiction that uh, that never quit. And uh, built a house a while back, fully automated it to the hilt, and uh, did a whole bunch of consulting work uh, for a whole bunch of uh, clients, uh, writing drivers and. And a whole bunch of different integrations for a whole bunch of different systems, and uh, then found uh, uh, this little startup called Hubitat uh, that uh, a, a couple of our founders uh, uh, tried to put together, and, and we all kind of had connections uh, back to uh, another product called Smart Things, and we all just kind of fell into this and said, you know, there's got to be a better way, and uh, so we built uh, uh, Hubitat around. Uh, the code we had already written, and uh, mainly around two major integrations. One was uh, our Lutron integration, and the second one was uh, a product that one of our founders wrote called Rule Machine, which is uh, kind of the Swiss Army knife, uh, uh, minus trademarks and all that fun stuff, of uh, rules-based automation. So it gives us the ability to, uh, you know, really do everything local uh, and uh, reliably, and uh, and also private. So. You know, that's those are our two or our three basic uh, principles when it comes to uh, automation. Hubitat, H-U-B-I-T-A-T dot com. If you want to check it out, that will be the one link we have in the show notes this week. There'll be a <laughs> lot of things going on, but you but check that out. Tell us a little bit about how long has Hubitat been around? Well, so, you, uh, yeah, yeah, officially, we you know, we just celebrated our, our, our third year uh, from from founding uh, a year ago. Uh, end of January, we launched our first product uh, and that was. A, uh, a hub and a USB stick that uh, that you could buy, uh, and uh, just about what a little over a month ago, we launched our Model C5. We we uh, kind of didn't show that at CES. That was that's a fun story. Uh, I I may or may not get into. We'll see how it goes. But uh, uh, we were all prepared for uh, the pre CES Popcom show, and uh, and it was one of those things where inventories were getting delivered. This thing in the lot. At the last minute, I've got my yeah. Don't talk about the new hub. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> hey, Patrick, you guys don't have anything running that would affect your bandwidth at this point, do you? I, we we lost a little bit of the of it. What it sounds like is a, a, you had an inventory problem with you were going to show it off at CES and oh yeah, and there was I just we lost a little bit of that. You just want to make sure we're not. Yeah, I've got the best internet connection in the world. You know, gigabit okay. internet. So. Awesome. Um, okay. It, but it's horrible. So uh, I, I joke. <laughs> it, it's, I thought it was just have... my Wi-Fi to the patio because I was like, uh, I lost him too. Maybe, maybe that was just me. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's all the uh, the no kids worries. getting home from school and yeah, playing yeah. video games. No, so, no. Uh, so yeah, hopefully it'll stabilize. No, no, no worries, no worries. Um, so 
from a f- being a new company, right? And you yeah. guys are constantly, you know, you got to figure out this is the this is the really you're in the difficult phase. You've got the idea going. You're trying to get things off the ground. You go to CES. Maybe it doesn't turn out like you wanted it to. But from a from a traction standpoint, how are you feeling right now about where you are in the market? You're competing. It seems like everybody is in this space at the moment. How are you guys feeling at this point? <laughs> well, we think we're doing something uh, right. And 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 I think that that resonates with a lot of people. Today was a busy day. There was uh, another competitor that had uh, some significant outage uh, due to their cloud dependency. And just like my wonderful internet connection, uh, these things affect your automations if they're yeah. cloud-based. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's the thing that we see uh, as, as people evolve through uh, what I'll call remote control, and then what they call smart home, and then eventually automation. Uh, we decided to focus on that last part of it, which is where I think everybody wants to get. But most people today in the industry are really excited about the fact that they can tell a voice assistant to turn off their lights. Uh, for me, it was all about making sure those lights are on when I want them on and off when I don't want them on. And, uh, and, and so, you know, to me, reaching for my phone or reaching for a voice assistant uh, that's just remote control. That's just moving the light switch to a much more convenient uh, way. But it's not automation. It, it may be smart. And, uh, and so when we look at the evolution of this, like I said, I went back to my X10 days and I was like, well, that was before the internet uh, was available. So we could do it back then. And then you fast forward to maybe five, six years ago when everybody kind of got into the space. Uh, and everybody did it because they thought the cloud was nece- was a necessity that you had to connect everything to the cloud, and and uh, I fell into that trap too. And I was like, you know, this is cool, but then when it doesn't work, right? You know, it it may be only failing one out of a hundred times or one out of a thousand times, but that's not really the key issue there. It's it's the fact that you know Thomas Edison would be pretty upset at the fact that it might take up to two seconds from pushing a button to a light bulb going on. You know, I mean, how far have we come in in this world where, you know, we could apply electricity, you know, a new concept that was magic back then to a filament and and have it glow instantly. And now here we are round tripping like a Rube Goldberg machine up and down through the cloud back and forth. Uh, And then, you know, because it it, it does fail every once in a while, like my Internet connection, uh, (laughs) it it was uh, I'm going to keep calling back. Actually, you're better better now. So it's yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, I, and honestly, I didn't time that or anything. No, you're fine. It was, it was a nice segue. Let's run with it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that, that was the thing that drove me nuts was you'd get this either half a second to two second delay when you like, you walk in front of a motion sensor and you're like, is it going to turn on? Is it going to turn on? Ah, yes, it turned on. And, and that's something we really wanted to, to tackle was how could we be real time, you know, and, and I'm sure there's, there's people that argue the definition of real time, but less than a second, uh, you know, real time processing. You know, uh, we, we, we had a fun little internal discussion uh, a couple of days ago about the definition of real time, near, near real time and then uh, logging. And, you know, uh, I disagree. I think real time is measured in microseconds. But uh, in, in this day and age, uh, when, you, when you have two concerns, one is, how slow it is to respond. And then the second part of it is, will it work? Because you get into this idea that I'm, it, it failed. It failed once. And, you know, uh, there's a joke in the industry. We talk about, uh, I'll use the politically correct term, spousal acceptance factor. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and use the same term. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, my wife 
we had we had a very expensive uh, home automation system, and then I I started adding some stuff through a through a cloud based system, and my wife was like, the door locks didn't lock again, and it's like, what do you mean? You know, at ten o'clock every night the locks were supposed to lock, and they didn't, and you know you start getting a little nervous. You know, it's like it, it happened once, and then she kept calling it out, and so you know we we wanted to make sure that. Uh, you know, a very simple principle in computing uh, called edge computing. We took that same concept and we said all automation is local. It should be done in the house. Uh, there's no reason for your device data to go out to the cloud. Period. End of story. There's only one reason why those manufacturers want that data. So, so they, can, they can sell you things. Yeah. Exactly. They can use it, right? They want to use the data. Uh, and so we said, we don't need that data. We don't want that data. And heck, I don't want to pay the cost to store that data. Um, so we set out to create something that ironically turned out to be pretty difficult, which is if you want to just build an offline hub, you can do it. It's not hard. If you want to build a cloud connected hub that doesn't require internet, but can take advantage of the cloud, it takes a little bit of work. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's the, the tough part of this. And, uh, and so that's been a lot of our ongoing development. We are what I'll call an evergreen uh, home automation platform. Uh, unlike some other platforms that put out an update every couple months uh, uh, or maybe once or twice a year, we push out updates almost every two weeks. But unlike cloud uh, home automation systems, we don't require you to upgrade. So you can decide when you want to upgrade or if you want to update. And, and that's an important part for us. And, uh, you know, so that's one of uh, the design considerations. Another design consideration we took on uh, was we think that a lot of our customers uh, and, and like to tinker. And so, you know, I'll, I'll do the shameless plug. We are running a sale right now for Easter uh, for $10 off. But, uh, but the reality is a lot of people buy a second hub so they can, they can mess around and keep that spousal acceptance factor high. You know, so if you get a new device, you hook it up, you play around with it, and you're like, okay, now how do I put that into my house? Uh, I was a, I was guilty of that too because I would like write code and, and mess around with stuff, and then I would break stuff. So uh, that was another thing that we wanted to make sure that you could separate them but connect them. And uh, so if you want to, you can actually mirror all of your devices into that second hub uh, through our Hub Connect software, and uh, and and bring them in there and work with them as a virtual. Uh, aspect of it too so patrick uh, before before we get too far yeah. and, and for the for the newbie when we talk about your equipment and you sure. have separate equipment for both the u.s canada and the uk but yeah most a lot a chunk of our audience here is in the u.s and maybe there's not that much difference but talk a little bit about the the hub itself sure uh, how you guys built it what it looks like some of those kinds of things. and that's I what i was going to say because you have me intrigued you have me so intrigued i have the same i have the problems you're talking about i have the delays uh i have the spouse acceptance factor she's all she's totally on board and we have a lot of this automation through a lot of things but it's a lot of cloud-based systems so what i want to know is and i think what jim you know is also leading into is how do i get integrated into your system how do i start out what do i need what do i get what do i set up well, you know the shameless way. You visit Hubitat.com. You purchase Yeah, and what's the shameless plug? That's right. That's right. That's right. We'll do the shameless plug, right? Um, and then I want, I want, the plug, I want the code. So whatever code is that gets me that uh, discount off, just let it's, me know. It, you don't even need a code. You just get it. Uh, you All get right. Perfect. Uh, uh, on Hubitat.com only, if you go to Amazon or any other place, uh, it's not on sale there. It's only on Hubitat.com. Uh, and that's only good through this weekend, Easter weekend. Uh, and so... Yeah. And man, I'll tell you what, that sale's been a hit. So, uh, 
you know, if you already do have one, buy a second one, play around with it. This is our hub. Um, this is connected. This is live. This is this is actually running right now. But I'm going to put my hand in front of it so you can see how small it is. Uh, it's a pretty small, tiny little hub, just a USB port uh, to provide power and an Ethernet port on the side. That's it. A little green light. Um, so it's, it's pretty tiny, smaller than an Amazon uh, Fire TV uh, box, if you use it for reference. Uh, a little bit smaller than an Apple TV. Uh, a lot thinner too. So you plug this in, you plug it into your, uh, you know, your, your ethernet, uh, port that you might have on your, uh, on your router or, or network switch or what have you. Uh, and then you, 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 you sign up, uh, you go to portal.hubitat.com. It should discover it and uh, it'll download its software, do the, do its own thing. And within a few minutes, you're, uh, you're going through our brief tutorial and, uh, and then it's really just a matter of picking out the Zigbee and Z-Wave devices or, or Lutron integrations, Ecobee, Sonos, all kinds of uh, fun stuff. We, uh, we do all the voice assistants. Uh, so Amazon Echoes, Google Voice, uh, Google, not Google Voice. That's a phone system. That'd be weird. Uh, but uh, Google, Google Assistant, Google yeah. Home. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so that, that's the process. We pretty much give you a blank slate, you know, and then uh, that, that's just because that's where we started. And we could, we could improve a lot on that. And, I, and I'll tell you, uh, my role in the company, I'm, I'm the head of uh, business and product development. So I kind of try to lay out a, a roadmap uh, for our product and try to, you know, create the, the structure around it. We have a, a very uh, great engineering team that, uh, uh, that builds it. We're all enthusiasts when it comes to home automation. So we all use this stuff. And, uh, and that's, that's an important part of it. We all have a passionate and, and we've got this wonderful community, uh, that, uh, that, that just loves home automation as well. And so we built it around automation first and I'll, and I'll tell you just a little bit of the roadmap. We originally built it without any way to actually access your devices. Cause we, we kind of said home automation is something that if you have to go in and turn on a device, you're not doing it right. We quickly realized that we would need a an interface. Um, but, uh, we, uh, we made a decision early on, we were going to launch without a mobile app and, uh, just to, you know, prove the point that you didn't need a mobile app to, to interface with uh, home automation. Uh, and, uh, again, probably should have had a mobile app, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're working on actually, uh, I'll announce it, uh, officially here, we're going to be going into beta very shortly with our Android and iOS apps. Uh, but they're really just meant to access your what we call dashboards, uh, which is a 100% customizable grid that you can set up to uh, control your devices. And uh, it'll do presence. Uh, so you can, uh, it'll, and, and, and I believe this, and I talked about device data, we will be one of the first, if not the only uh, geofencing solution out there that does not track your phone location. It seems obvious to me you know, after we spent, you know, a year in development trying to do this is we don't need to send your GPS data to the cloud. In fact, we don't even have any storage to that. All we need to know is whether or not a circle on a screen, whether or not you're in or out of that circle. Yeah. That's it. That's all we need to know. And so that's all that our geofencing will do. Uh, the app stays private. So you're, 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 uh, stays local and private, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, your coordinates stay local uh, on your phone, but you can access it, sends through our cloud relay back down to your hub. Right. And uh, securely and, and, uh, and uh, as best we can. But if anybody ever intercept that traffic and, and decrypted it, all they're going to see is the word enter or exit. That's it. Oh. They don't know where. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and that, so that's important. No, that's that's nice because I think a lot of the a lot of my listeners here, a lot of our listeners, are concerned about that in a lot yeah. of ways. Tony, I want to bring in here in just a second, um, but I want to ask this question of you, Patrick. So, I have a whole bunch of different home automation in the house here, and uh, I'm a kind of the average user. You know, I turn some lights on and off. I I haven't gone to the thermostat yet, so I don't have one of those. I will here at some point. I might have a garage door opener in the future here that's connected in some way. Why? And I've got it all kind of working at this point. But what would be the advantage to me to to upgrade or to purchase a hub from you guys? And what would I get with that that I may not get just using all the other apps that come along with it? Yeah. So a lot of people start home automation, and I'll call it more on the smart home side of just wanting to centralize all of these devices under one roof. Um, Lighting is a is a big you know gateway drug to uh, to getting into home automation. So if you've got some outside lights that you want to turn on or off at a specific time, uh, you know that's a very easy thing to do. I've got some driveway lights that you know come on about thirty minutes before sunset and then turn off at night. Uh, if you've got uh, hallway lights or or uh, uh, kitchen cat you know a pantry or something like that where you want to put a door sensor or a motion sensor. You can, you can have those things trigger, and then based upon time of day or uh, events, they can turn on. And then using things like presence, you know, if you're not home, you can fake the lights coming on, or you can have them come on when you're coming into your house. Uh, so light, lighting control is a good, you know, a good, you know, kind of gateway to, uh, to just having that. Like, I have a hallway, I have a long hallway from my master bedroom down to the, uh, the, the living room there, and... I have two dogs and inevitably one of my dogs is always laying in the hallway and at night I couldn't see him. So I just have some hue light bulbs that turn on red at 1%, just enough to light the way and enough to pick out the dog, uh, on the, on the tile. And I have stopped kicking the dog. So, um, and I'm telling you at 2 AM kicking that dog, uh, it hurts your toe. It doesn't really hurt the dog, but you know, eventually something, something bad was going to happen. So there's a perfect example of just a simple, you know, integration. Uh, another simple integration if you know, just get a small little contact sensor. I'm sure I got one right here. Uh, of course it doesn't have the battery in it, but you know, a small little, this is, this is the former Iris, you know, gen one or gen two sensors. Uh, and I've got a gen one around here, but you could mount this on your garage door and, uh, you know, you can put a little contact sensor next to it and it could tell you if you left your garage door open, you know, uh, that's, you know, that's a $20 uh, or less uh, solution of just a simple application that just says, hey, if that contact sensor is open after 30 minutes, you know, send me a text message to say, hey, you left the garage door open. Uh, and, uh, you know, that may be just all the peace of mind that you need. You know, I know a lot of people, I know some in the chat room, people are talking like MyQ and being able to turn on and off your garage, open and close your garage door. Uh, but uh, but at the end of the day, that, that, that may be overkill for a lot of people um, sure. Uh, sure. or... Uh, an early thing. I just like to know if my garage door is open or not. Uh, and so <laughs> that, yeah. that, that helps. Yeah. I've, you know, and again, it goes back to things that, uh, that, that I've been burned by. And, you know, I had, uh, uh, I had a lot of times where my garage door was left open and, you know, then you'd start looking, where's that tool that I know I had. And, you well, know, Patrick, I leave, I routinely leave my garage door open at night. I, I didn't close it on the way in. It's open all evening. I, don't check it on the way in. And I'd love to have a timer, right? You guys specialize in, in integration and, and yeah. you know, if this, then that type functionality oh, yeah. as well, that it would say, hey, and I have a light down. I, I shut the basement lights off at 1230. Like if I haven't shut them off, 
shut them off at 1230. That's also a good reminder to go to bed. Like if yeah. they go off and I'm still down here, I need <laughs> to have my butt in bed. Tony, you're, um, you kind of come at this and I want to hear your story, Tony. Why, uh, why did you bring this up? Don't forget to unmute as well. But why did you bring this up? Why'd you bring it to me? What, what are you looking for? You can get my unabridged story on homo number 117 I did with Richard Gunther. But most people know that I was with Lowe's Iris, and we know where that went. In the kind of at the end, they did the right, uh, the right thing, as m- many tech companies don't. But the majority of my, home, quote, home uh, automation system was really more about security. And I think I had between 50 to 60 devices. Easily two-thirds of those were security. And so, well, what were the items that were not? Thermostats, garage door openers, um, irrigation control, and so forth. And I was like, well, what will work with that as a replacement hub? Smart things was the first thing. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, found out that Hubitat would. And so I purchased both of those. And smart things, you know, the I guess the control away from the house was a good thing for me. But not all the devices would pair. And then there was discussion about Hubitat, you know, Gavin Campbell being a big supporter about that. And he is obviously a, a much smarter person about this than me. And I think later you ought to have him on and discuss it from a more, more technical perspective. But then so from the initial uh, unboxing, the, the, uh, the Hubitat hub, it's not just the size that fools you, but it's like there's no weight to it. And I opened up the box and I'm like, how can this thing do all the things that they're talking about? Well, it can. And the other issue is uh, I'm laughing as Patrick talks about it. I also have gigabit internet and it's not everything it cracks up to be. (laughs) So the whole while as I'm setting everything up, I found out that I really need to beef up my network. And so the thing I'm going to look towards is ubiquity. But for now, so I thought, you know, what I can do is I can buy this $99 box and probably still be able to use, I bet 30 some of the devices I had on Iris because with Iris, you basically received a quote refund. You were able to keep the devices and now with Hubitat, I could continue to use the devices. So it really was a win for me. And when I was on Iris, the wife never really bought into Iris very well. So I was looking at separating out more home automation on one hand and more security on the other. So we were talking about it and the spousal acceptance factor, which with my wife, it's it's a pretty narrow acceptance factor, if you will. So she had the brand, uh, the brand name recognition with Simply Safe. So we went with that for security and she's actually using it. So that was a win. I mean, it's actually a big win. So on the home automation side, as I can leave her intact, she has no issues, everything works. And now on my home automation side, I can play around. And Hubitat enables me to do that. So, so far, I was able to basically continue to use my two garage door openers, my two thermostats, probably 20-some motion sensors and contact sensors, so I can kind of build out from there. So it really was a big win for me. So far, I think I've had the irrigation controller. I don't think it ever will work, and it wouldn't work with smart things either. My Schlage um, garage door opener on the uh, access door to the garage couldn't get to repair with smart things or Hubitat. But one of the Hubitat community members, because I think it's really, even though I, I guess, took it out of the um, IRS app, I still think it's not, I don't know the proper term, kind of disassociated itself. I don't think that ever went right. So one of the very supportive members on the Hubitat forum gave me some hints about it, but I just finished like, you know, 10 days in a row at work, 110 or 20 hours. So I haven't had time to do that. But I'm going to, 
And it's funny, you held up that version two contact sensor. That is the other one thing I could not get to pair with Hubitat. All my Gen 1s did. Just that one sensor for some reason would not. And I think one out of my three fire and carbon monoxide detectors. But everything else, you know, $99 box, 30-some devices still using them. So it's just a big win for me. Patrick, can you talk a little bit about, so Tony just mentioned a whole bunch of devices, some connected, some didn't. What are you guys certainly keeping up? Like the the, the number of devices using home automation have exploded in the last three years while you've been doing this. How are you guys keeping up with those <laughs> with those automation in the grade? Do you have to buy every single piece? Do you have people ship you stuff? How does that uh, work? Yeah, you know, I, so I have a litany of devices here that I use to just test various things. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've got, we've got a head of uh, devices and integrations that, uh, uh, that has a whole pile of things that uh, aren't even opened yet. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, we, we decided we wanted to support standards and maybe we could take just a little bit of time to talk about those. The, you know, the two primary standards out there are Zigbee and Z-Wave. Uh, and so we support those out of the box where Zigbee, uh, Zigbee uh, HA 1.2 compliant uh, program. Uh, if you have Zigbee 3, which is the current uh, latest standard, it is backward compatible with Zigbee HA 1.2. In fact, it is Zigbee uh, HA 1.2 inside there. Uh, and so anything Zigbee home automation related is going to uh, connect and work within uh, Hubitat. Now, when I say that, uh, you know, it, it the biggest challenge, especially because we're, we're a relatively new player to that. And, uh, and Tony talked about it is it's, it's tough to migrate from one system to another, because sometimes those hubs like to hang on to their associations with, with, uh, with different things. And, and Zigbee is pretty straightforward. You pretty much, you know, factory reset the device and it should pair up. Uh, every once in a while, things get a little crazy and, uh, you know, a reboot or, or something along those lines, because it is basically a little computer. Uh, you, you know, you get that working. Z-Wave, on the other hand, is another uh, competing standard. Z-Wave uh, is, uh, is a great standard because uh, there's so many devices out there. I, I, I don't know the exact number, but I mean, the, the Z-Wave Alliance, uh, which is now owned by Silicon Labs, or not Z-Wave Alliance, Z-Wave itself is owned by Silicon Labs. Uh, they, they've, they've, they've just hit the market with a, a, a ton of Z-Wave devices. And the great thing about Z-Wave is it's a pretty good standard in the fact that a, a door lock's a door lock, uh, you know, a light switch is a light switch, uh, and a motion sensor is a motion sensor. So we have a whole bunch of generic drivers that cover Z-Wave and Zigbee devices for the most part out there. So even, like you said, there's so many different devices, but if they follow the standard pretty good, chances are out of the box, it's going to pair and it's going to, um, you know, match up to one of our generic drivers, or you can set it manually. One of the other really cool things about Hubitat is we have uh, an integrated uh, code editor for both apps uh, that you can you can write uh, or install uh, and drivers as well. So we give you full access to the to the hub by by uh, community developers that have uh, ported or or created their own drivers and apps. So if there's a device that we don't support right now, chances are uh, somebody in the community has already tackled it or is willing to tackle it. Perfect case in point, uh, Xiaomi's got these really inexpensive Zigbee sensors. Uh, they don't necessarily follow the Zigbee standards. So from a philosophical point, we can't support them directly because they do some things that aren't standard and they cause some problems in certain situations. But we have tons of users using Xiaomi sensors with Hubitat. They just have to install the drivers from the community. 
And uh, that kind of extensibility gives us uh, a tremendous amount of flexibility to, uh, to, to create that. Now, we'll take those two standards and then we'll talk about uh, other standards, or I'll, I'll even put that in air quotes, standards. Uh, a lot of people talk about Wi-Fi devices today. And Wi-Fi was a big buzzword around CES. And, and talking about Wi-Fi is like talking about cars, right? Cars aren't all equal um, and all Wi-Fi devices aren't equal. In fact, most Wi-Fi devices are effectively just connections to the cloud and then you're, you're talking to the cloud with your app or what have you. You're never rarely talking directly to the device. And so we call those cloud-connected uh, devices. We have a few integrations with those cloud-connected devices, uh, but for the most part, Wi-Fi is kind of the wild west. It's a very... There's no standard. There's no way to say, okay, on this IP address and this port, send this command and that light's going to turn on. It just isn't. Uh, Zigbee and Z-Wave have those standards. Uh, it's kind of like cameras today too, which is uh, another thing. And, uh, and so Wi-Fi devices, maybe, maybe not be able to connect, uh, but we give you full LAN access uh, to, to the network stack. So if, if there's uh, an HTTP uh, API uh, that, that's public or private, you can connect to it. We give you web sockets. Uh, we give you Telenet support, believe it or not, old school Telenet that you can connect to, uh, and a whole lot of other things, including uh, something I'll, I'll, I'll let everybody know here publicly. I think it's the first time we've shared it publicly. Is uh, next version we're going to be betaing a MQTT client uh, integration, so you can even take those. And I'm sure there's there's folks in the chat room. MT, MQTT MQTT is like one of those things like. You know, that's where you pull out the geek cred and you're like, oh, hey, you know, I'm doing M MQTT, aren't you? And uh, it's like code word. It, uh, I love it. It's awesome. Uh, but it wasn't like the thing like, you know, the average consumer, um, it, you know, it's kind of like Fight Club. You're, you know, first rule, of, you know, everybody must MQTT and uh, and then, you know, you don't talk about it. Uh, so uh, it just does it. So we're going to be having that support, which is going to be really cool. Uh, and, uh, and looking forward to it, uh, to, to seeing how people, uh, go nuts with that as well. But, uh, but for the most part, we'll connect to pretty much anything on your land that, that does have an API. So perfect example of that is Sonos. Uh, so if you've got some Sonos speakers, we'll discover them, we'll connect to them. Uh, we just added a Google Chromecast integration so you can discover and, and, uh, uh do text to speech. So we've got a built in text to speech engine actually requires the cloud for that. Uh, but it caches it locally. So, you know, one time creates that. So you could have it tell you the weather in the morning if you wanted to or what have you. Uh, and uh, let's see, what else do we have uh, for local? Uh, we've got a bunch of other stuff that, that runs local from an integration. And then there's the cloud connected devices. And, and you know, that's your Ecobees and, and uh, other things that you have to go out to the internet, connect to it and, and integrate with that. And we do all of that directly off the hub. So, uh, poses some challenges with with some of the technologies out there, but we've got, like I said, an amazing engineering team that uh, looks at those challenges and said, "Yeah, we can we can get around that. We can figure it out." Patrick, one of the things a lot of folks worry about is they got this home automation, and until the internet goes down, are you saying so for even cloud connected devices? If I have everything connected through your hub and my internet goes down, things are still going to work? Is that what no, you're telling me? No, no, no. We don't, we don't have any magic bullet that, uh, that allows the internet to work without an internet connection. That would be great. Um, but uh, uh, no. Uh, so if you do connect to the cloud, uh, so if you connect to an Ecobee server or what have you, and, and unfortunately, they, they're, they're, their services have been up and down, and I happen to have two Ecobees in my house. And so every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I, can't, I can't connect to it. Everything else will stay working. So uh, in fact, at CES, we were demoing uh, a Philips Hue bridge with a Lutron Smart Bridge Pro uh, using a Pico remote to change the uh, the color of the light bulb. 
And uh, we were doing it all without an internet connection. So that's from, from my standpoint, uh, it, I think it's important to, to look and source for devices that aren't cloud dependent. Uh, and I know there's some, some chat about thermostats and thermostats are near and dear to my heart because uh, I have four of them in this house, uh, believe it or not. Uh, living in Southern California, you would think you wouldn't need air conditioning, but uh, uh, it does get a little hot here. It's a little warm down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I uh, and, 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 you know, electricity is really expensive out here. Uh, and I'm getting even though I've got 42 solar panels on the roof. Uh, you, we get, we now get this time of use thing. So, uh, so if you can cut off your usage from four to nine, you save a whole bunch of money. So I'm preparing for the, the summer here cause I had massive electricity bills uh, last summer. And, uh, so I'm going to be automating it to a certain point. And at least with Ecobee, the, the programming, the scheduling that you do in Ecobee runs locally. So even if the internet's out, your schedule still work. Can't say that about other other uh, thermostats, but uh, but a lot of our users will use Z-Wave thermostats or uh, or, uh, or even a Zigbee thermostat. Uh, Lux has one uh, that that we uh, support, and so they're they're kind of like dumb smart thermostats, right? They don't necessarily have programming on them. You use our thermostat uh, controller uh, built-in app, so you can actually schedule that. And then again, all of that's going to work locally, regardless of your internet connection. Uh, I know last uh, show you guys were talking about backup power. You know, so if you lose power, well, chances are things aren't going to work unless you've got UPSs all over the place. But uh, uh, but we did have some users who um, uh, the last hurricane that came through North Carolina, they were talking about we had a couple of users like, yeah, I had a, a backup generator going. All my automations worked in the middle of a hurricane, you know, so, you know, things I could care less about in the middle of a hurricane. But uh, I was going to say that's probably that's not the first thing about, about this. Yeah, stuff. no, that's automation still worked. Tony, you mentioned a second ago about the community mm-hmm. and community is a big aspect of what we do here. It sounds like you've plugged in a little bit with that already. Yeah, I wanted to fall back on a few things that he was saying. First of all, those were factory reset. And when you have a device and fortunately, one of the community members, I was having a few problems with a few devices and I had finally worked it out. But then he sent me a sheet about how to factor reset a few devices you go searching and you find different information and you find that it's all wrong. And that was a frustrating part of it alone. Another thing, I was literally sitting at the dining room table and I had about five contact sensors and a few problems here and there. And I'm like, oh, my God, let me just reboot this thing and reboot. All of a sudden, all five showed up. And I'm like, OK, which one of these five is it? So you better make sure you work on one device at a time. Another problem I won't say a problem, but since it does not have a wireless component, I guess the idea is, you know, you have the hub and you bring the thing to the hub. But my system was already set up, so I had to bring the hub to the thing. And so fortunately, um, I have one of those, um, I guess it's wireless with the Ethernet port on the side. My son thinks he has Ethernet. <laughs> no, you really don't. You're just plugging you know, the cable into the wireless thing. But fortunately, I was able to use that, and that way I could transport the uh, the Hubitat hub around the house. So that really came in uh, handy a lot. But yeah, the the uh, the community is that is really, and that is actually one of the reasons I went with Hubitat was the strength of the community. Patrick, how do you guys foster that community involvement? I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. You got a bunch of you know, anytime anytime two or more gather, there's conflict. So <laughs> how do you how do you guys foster the community involvement? What do you do? You know, we we all participate in it. You know, um, you know, 
all everybody inside Hubitat is actively, you know, participating. Anybody who's doing engineering or marketing or what have you, they're they're on there, whether or not they're posting, but they're reading, they're they're pulling that type of stuff out. And uh, I've been building communities uh, since the early uh, mid '90s, actually. Uh, you know, going back to pre-internet days, actually early '90s with the BBSs, believe it or not. So uh, it's just a matter of you know being real, getting in there and talking about things, being as transparent as we can. Uh, we make one promise that, uh, other than the mobile app, which has been perpetually coming soon uh, for the last year, uh, we don't talk about futures. We only talk about what's available today, uh, and uh, and and we have what we call our feature list. Anytime anybody's got a good idea, we throw it on there and, and we acknowledge it, uh, and then internally we 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 build that up. But I think I think fundamentally uh, the thing that uh, has built our community so well is we use this stuff, you know, uh, this is, this is, this is our passion. This is what we love to do. And, and there are a lot of passionate folks about it. Uh, and it can get very deep and technical. Uh, but, but the reality is, is, you know, our goal with Hubitat is you don't need to ever write a single bit of code. You don't need to be a programmer to use it. Uh, we're going to continue to, to make it easier and easier to use. Uh, but I'd much rather have a really complex system that takes a while to learn, but can do almost everything than a really pretty interface that can't do much. So uh, we know that that's one of our, our challenges there and our community really provides that feedback. But I think more importantly, we listen uh, and, uh, and and we, we try to get inside of that. And I think too many companies put too many uh, barriers to their customers. And uh, and that's something that, uh, that that we feel very strongly about is, uh, you know, we're going to stay and listen and, uh, and, and participate and, uh, you know, it is a user to user community uh, because it, we are users. And so we're just out there trying to help other people just like anybody else would help. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you in just a second to see if you're convinced after listening to this, right, if you're going to give this a try. But Mark Robson was saying in the chat room that he had been using If This Then That for an integration with a door lock. And then they stopped like supporting that integration. And you guys have these kind of built in and local, right, to make this work. If I want to put these things together. So talk how you're different than if this, than that. And, and more than it's just not going to the cloud. But how are you guys different in that area of actually the actual software automation? Sure. So first of all, we do actually have a, an IFTTT integration. So if you are using IFTTT, you can connect your Hubitat uh, ecosystem to IFTT and, uh, and, and work that way uh, both ways. But uh, the built-in app uh, that that drive that that drives everything is is a program called Rule Machine, and Rule Machine is kind of like if this then that, but a local click point and click interface to building rules. It's pretty easy uh, to. Uh, <laughs> I was just saw Gavin talk about our passionate teams. Yeah, there's some passionate discussions. I mean, like I said, we're two or more gathered. There's contact. that's right. That's right. Uh, I think we we we're we're closing in. If we haven't crossed it already, almost a hundred thousand uh, posts uh, in in under a, a little over a year, actually. That's so, great. That's great. Uh, but yeah, so rule machine is kind of the 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 end all be all for for rule rule creation uh, and management. But we have uh, a dozen other apps. Uh, one of them is Hubitat Safety Monitor that 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 is really a safety and security system. You can arm and disarm it like a traditional security system. Uh, it can use all your contact sensors, motion sensors. I'll tell you another application that I use, and I, and I use it in Hubitat safety monitors. I have a whole bunch of water sensors. They're cheap little $20 water sensors. I put them on every sink and toilet and what have you, uh, because this has saved me now three times from a flooded basement in Minnesota uh, and a flooded bathroom already here in Southern California. Uh, my daughter was cleaning, accidentally bumped the... Uh, uh, the, the 
uh, water line that goes up to the, see, this is, this is a great thing when you're on camera, as you guys know, your IQ drops 40%. Right? <laughs> totally. No, yeah. keep going. You're good. You're and, uh, and so, you know, I get an alert. I'm like, Oh, there's water underneath my daughter's bathroom. So, you know, you, you hurry up and, and some people even automate uh, water shutoff valves. You, so you can actually have the water shut off to your house uh, and, and have that work uh, from an automation standpoint. I just want to be alerted. I want to know that something's going on and, and, uh, uh, and then I can take action or call somebody. And, uh, um, you know, I'll share with the, and I'm, you know, I'm shiny object syndrome at this point. It's, 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 uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I had a competing product. Uh, I actually had a, um, a family place up in, in Wyoming. And, uh, one of the founders of that company had talked about how this great product was used to remonitor, monitor remote buildings and, and cabins and that type of stuff. So I thought, Hey, this would be perfect. So I put it in and, and put a temperature sensor in there down in the basement. Cause we had a problem with freezing pipes. Uh, and, uh, we had a caretaker who, you know, once a week would stop by and take a look at the house. And so I, sh- I, I gave him access to the app and I said, hey, take a look at this. Keep monitoring the temperature. You know, you don't have to stop by all the time unless the temperature reads. Well, of course, I get a call from a neighbor going, I, I think there's a problem in your house. Uh, there's ice coming out of your windows. And I'm like, that, that's a problem. Um, and so I called the caretaker and I said, well, why haven't you been over there? He goes, I keep opening the, up the app and that sensor keeps telling me that the battery's at 1%. <laughs> yikes it's not going to tell you that it's dead okay yeah, and that yeah, was a flaw yeah. in that system and it still yeah. is today and and it's yeah. a tough thing to you know yeah. to do that so uh you know i said you know you're gonna have to replace some batteries every once in a while uh and uh so yeah that that system i thought was monitoring my house wasn't monitoring my house it was just telling me i still had one percent battery left right uh, right yeah uh, the the human is always the weak link right and yeah this, yeah the, could I, um, and Uyghur, I'm going to come to you next, but could I, I have these home eight devices that I bought that I hate the home eight hubs. And I think, are you familiar with home eight and the, and the equipment that they make? No, could I'm I, not. Um, okay. Well, I have to, but could this be, let's say in theory, could I re-resurrect? I still have some of their door sensors and I still have, um, I've got a motion sensor in here that, that was part of it. I didn't want to use our hub anymore and I wasn't interested in doing that. But if it was Zigbee or Z-Wave, chances it could it could come up on the... Uh, it's uh, possible, yeah, if they follow any standards. I'm just briefly going through their website. I don't know. Chances are it was probably a 433 megahertz uh, cheap... Are they are they pretty big sensors? I'm not even... Uh, yeah, they're pretty big. Yeah, they're... Yeah, they're, 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 yeah so my guess is they were probably uh, proprietary sensors. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. That's, uh, but it, it's yeah. one of those kinds of things, right, though, if it's fairly modern in the last year or two or maybe even three, if they were using some of those standards, it may be something I could resurrect and bring back on. Right. It, it, it's possible. Uh, you know, I'm just look I'm trying to look at pictures of yeah. what these sensors look like. Uh, yeah, they've got a tri sensor. Yeah. I don't see anything specific that says it's Zigbee or Z-Wave. OK. Um, okay. Well, now, if they had an API. Uh, you know, local or cloud, we could write or someone could write an integration. Um, okay. And, uh, and, but you would, you, you connect their equipment through their, their API to the, uh, to, yeah, to no, our, no worries. Just, just yeah. a thought. Uyghur, you're the one who's kind of thinking through this and like, after what you've heard over the last 48 minutes, what do you think? You might be muted. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Let me, let me check my mic there. Um, no, it's very intriguing to me because what I have been thinking about recently is, okay, how do I expand my, you know, home automation 
offering. And when you talk about the Wi-Fi versus Zigbee or Z-Wave, that's been a big sticking point to me is, you know, what devices are which and, and do I have a hub that interacts with any of them? And and to date, I have not, to be honest. So a lot of my devices have either had a hub themselves. You know, we think of like Hue light bulbs, for example, right? Um, have the hub themselves, and then they communicate to the cloud that way. Or I've had things that have been Wi-Fi, which is Wemo or all of my security cameras. And then like Tony, I have a ton of Simply Safe devices. So I went with Simply Safe for my security, which Tony, you'll have to correct me. I actually don't even know what standard Simply Safe uses besides Wi-Fi to connect to the uh, to the network, and that's how I access the systems. And Tony, do you know even are those like some sort of standard? Are those their own? Are they? I, no, they're Bluetooth. I think right. I mean, yeah. it's Wi-Fi. I mean, I, I simply don't know. I think they're Bluetooth. I, I they're, yeah. yeah, they're actually 433 megahertz as well, so they're proprietary. Uh, okay, so so they're so they're proprietary. Yeah. But so but from you, what you've been telling me, this is perfect. What I've been looking for is something that's actually local to my home that I'm able to expand upon. Because right now I don't. I'm not married to a system. I don't have a standard I'm married to. And to be honest, all the different apps I have to load and that my wife, to be honest, has to open and close is kind of a chore. So if I can get into one system or a hub, I don't even want to call it a system because your hub connects to a lot of different systems, right? There, there are right. multiple uh, different systems we can connect into this. It's a big sticking point to me. I think that would be very interesting. And I love what you said and you can correct me if i'm wrong but when i heard like the kind of a security offering right where you guys have connections to you know open and close sensors and mm -hmm. water sensors which is exactly i mean simply safe all it is really for me is like five opening no probably eight eight open and close sensors i got three water sensors i got a um you know, a, a smoke alarm and some other, sen a glass break sensor, some motion sensors, things like that. All of those could be Zigbee or Z-Wave. And if I wasn't tied to a system, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not really that worried about having 911 support. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like really, if someone breaks into my house and if they trigger 911, cool. But in nowadays, most people expect that if an alarm's going off in the home, uh, police are coming and they get out of there really quick anyway. And th the fact that my system alerted them or anything like that is not really too important to me. But I pay a system like that to have access to those sensors. So if I could build out a system where this was connected via Zigbee, Z-Wave, and Hubitat has the hub right here where I have access to all of that, man, I could really save myself. I could build my own security system, which really, and to be honest, a lot of this community that we have right here is a lot of community that wants to build their own. We love that. That is so much fun for us. And having a hub here that could do that, I'm, I'm like starting to get all these ideas in my head of what I could do around this. I'm thinking, okay, you already mentioned Hue Lights works with it. Okay, yeah. so there's all my lights in my home, which already have the wife acceptance factor, except for the fact that it takes them three seconds to turn on or off, depending on what I'm using. Am I using Ift to trigger them? Am I using um, HomeKit to trigger them from my iPhone? Am I using Amazon Alexa to trigger them from the voice app? It all depends. And a lot of times it takes a very long time for those to trigger. and that's saying if they trigger at all. Yeah. So having a local system uh, is very interesting, especially because I have lights that often 
do not turn on or turn off based on their schedule. And a lot of them are outdoor lights where I really depend on that. That is a part of my security. So I take security very seriously around my home. Like that is something you ask my wife. She knows like (laughs) security for me is number one. And if lights are not turning on and off when I want them to, that's a big deal to me. And right now they're not. So having a local system that's not reliant on the cloud could be a huge solve for what I'm looking for. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, you know, I look at it, you know, security systems, the the two most effective things that it does is it gives you peace of mind. And uh, the most effective part of a security system is the sign in your front yard, right? Totally true. Exactly. (laughs) I I always joke that, you know, the only good thing about my security system was it was really good at generating false alarms. Uh, And so, you know, I I still have a monitored uh, security system uh, that I use, and I use uh, I actually use Abode, uh, which is very similar to uh, uh, Simply Safe. But the main reason I do it is uh, for that is the insurance certificate. Uh, you know, I get a pretty large uh, deduction on my uh, insurance uh, that more than pays for uh, this type of stuff. But uh, and we're we're trying to, to to spend a lot of time lobbying these these folks uh, in the insurance industry to say that you know these people who are investing in DIY products and there are some insurers that are taking on this cause that says yeah if you provide your own system and you're actively monitoring it like you said that's that's your peace of mind you know who to call you know who, what to do uh, and you know but it, you know it, again it's it's that. Assurances that the garage door is closed, uh, yeah. you know, and, and now with, you know, with uh, wise cameras for 25 bucks on Amazon, you can get that to, you know, plug it into the garage and you can pull it up on your phone and see that the garage door is closed or you can use it uh, a $20 uh, sensor to do that, too. Uh, you may not want to close it or, or or maybe you do, but, you know, at least, you know, it's op- it's closed. Uh, I, I have I have a rule that that I've had in my house, you know, 10 o'clock. All the outside perimeter doors lock, uh, you know, and uh, if they aren't already locked, because, you know, out here in Southern California, we like leaving doors open and all that type of stuff. And, you know, so it's that peace of mind, right? It's that peace of mind that I don't have a leak someplace, you know, uh, and, and these are the things that unfortunately it usually takes an incident. You know, most security systems are put in after the first burglary or break in uh, and not before. Uh, and most security systems aren't armed the first time that a break in occurs, too. So, you know, around that peace of mind, yeah, build build your peace of mind, not necessarily a, a fully monitored, you know, system that you're paying 40, 50 bucks a month to monitor for. Right. Mike, I want to break in a minute. You know, when I, when I was watching videos about Hubitat, I was a little intimidated. You know, he was going through all the different pages and I was like, yeah, is this really for me or not? But then I received it and I'll say it, my best analogy is akin to tweaking your router. I mean, so the way the interface and well, don't tell me that, Tony, because you know how much I love tweaking my router. Yeah, so a little personal, but yeah, yeah. I was let's, gonna say, let's calm down on this tweaking <laughs> of routers things, okay? I know right. But it's not nearly as intimidating as I thought it would be. And another thing I don't think they mentioned yet is about the dashboards. Sure. And, and so some of the members have done that. You know, they buy the, you know, these cheap tablets and so forth, and they leave the dashboards up and they mount them. And now, you know, you have your grids and you can do multiple dashboards and multiple layouts and so forth. And say you mount it on the wall and there you see this is my sensor open or closed. This is the battery level, the garage door open or closed or so forth, you know, from your laptop and so forth. So that would, you know, done right. That could be a pretty big spousal acceptance factor on on that part. And Tony, you're running a hybrid system. So I'm interested because you run Simply Safe like I do, plus a lot of sensors. Mm-hmm. How does that all interact? What are you using the two 
four individually? Well, I trust none of them so far. Um, so, I, so I do have a you know garage door camera looking at the garage doors because even the I think they're basically rebranded linear garage door openers. Yeah. And I had one that was great, and one was problematic with Iris. And I'm getting the same thing on Hubitat as well. So I think I just got a device that it's not sits in itself open or closed correctly. And that was kind of Hubitat. It's kind of stopgap measure. And I may eventually replace those. I may eventually replace my thermostats. I'm going to have to replace my irrigation controller. But it still enables me to use so many other devices in the interim. And it, and you know, before I got caught in a proprietary system, well, now I buy nothing that can't be used on many, you know, say with Amazon or Google or, you know, Hubitat, you know, uh, as well. So I don't get locked in once again. Right. Okay. Patrick, when we think about, you talked about the apps, just, you've just come out with the, with the Android and iPhone. Is that right? Did I hear that right? Soon to to come out. Yeah. Oh, Uh, soon. Soon. Okay. Yeah. It's, that's, that's a kind of a joke around here is, uh, and and that's, that's, that's a long story for a lot more alcohol. Uh, But uh, uh, yeah, we, uh, we are in testing right now. uh, And uh, you know, you would look if we were cloud-based it would be so much easier uh, I'll, I'll admit uh it would be so much easier to just have all your device data out in the cloud and then just have the the device uh, the, the the app just hit that but uh we don't so we've got to get back to your hub uh and connect uh, that and that's that's not an easy task to do uh reliably so we're working on it uh there's we're just working the last little kinks out uh, uh to make it as as user-friendly as we can and uh you know uh, CNET reporter said that we were going to release it in April. Uh, I don't know where he got that. I never told him that. But uh, um, but since that was published, uh, we've been kind of internally going. We should probably have it out by then. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I'm looking at the calendar, we got uh, yeah, twelve days. Oh, got 12 days. <laughs> so it'll be in beta in April. Let me put it that way. You can always correct that. it on 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 Home Gadget Geeks, right? Like because yeah. this is the source they come to. Everybody yes. will listen That's to right. this. Uh, yeah. And so, but you know, we 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 love the coverage we have on. <laughs> Uh, those guys are great too, but uh, you know, it was, he came by at CES and he's like, where's the app? And I'm like, we don't have the app. He's like, I want to do a story on the app. Like, <laughs> the app yet. And so, yeah. So uh, a lot of people are waiting for the app, but honestly, the app is just going to act, have access to your dashboards and give you presence and uh, geofencing. So, you know, this is a, this is a design philosophy that we said, uh, we're not going to allow you to administrate your hub from outside your house. Uh, without you adding a VPN or something like that. That, that to me, is a division of labor that I think is important. Um, if you can't get into your own house, well, we can't, and hackers can't, because there's just no way to get to the interface unless you know you do something crazy like port forward uh, your, your hub, which I do not recommend at all. Do not do that. Uh, in fact, we've caught a few people doing it. We've asked them to stop doing it because it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a good practice. Um, but uh, yeah, Jamie's good beta in August. Yeah, all right, all right April. Uh, I didn't say which April, by the way. Uh, <laughs> That's true. There could you be, go. That's could true. Twenty twenty. Uh, we don't like talking about futures, uh, but we 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 we've had this longstanding uh, challenge with the mobile app. Uh, and I, like I said, it's just you know, uh, it, it is not easy to do correctly. Uh, there there's there are apps out there that are really not all the greatest uh, connectivity there. So, um, but. Uh, uh, and like I said, if we had all your data, it would be easy. We don't have any of your data. We don't want any of your data. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough thing to you know to to get 
yeah. to get to that point. Yeah. No, no, no worries on that. We won't, we won't hold you to that. We're not that kind of, we're not that kind of podcast. Tony, um, any other, any other thoughts, questions you might have as we got. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so there was, fire away. Yeah, there was one big one that's kind of been looming in the back of my mind. And, you know, you mentioned about having Ring on earlier, and that's a success story, an Eero success story. Well, we know where they both ended up. <laughs> they were seen as a you know big product, very successful. So long term, you know, I, 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 you know, I was thinking, you know, selling a $90 hub, a $100 hub, a one shot deal, you know, is that long term? Is that financially viable? I know I can't ask you to, you know, to, you know, predict the future, but far as further rev revenue stream to stay around. Well, we think it is, uh, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this. Uh, and I can tell you, we have some some pretty pretty bright people behind the scenes who've, who've uh, way smarter than me have already figured out the financials. So, uh, you know, we are a self-funded startup. So, you know, the reality is, is this is, this is a bootstrap effort that, uh, you know, that gets this job done. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that, you, you know, these cloud-based solutions needed a ton of money to fund themselves because, you know, these cloud bills get really, really expensive uh, and it scales. And it, I mean, those are the ones that I always question, how can they scale? You know, because I know what those costs are and I know how much data is being shoved out to the cloud and all that transaction and all that traffic costs money. Uh, and the only way to pay that back on a $78 hub or a $99 hub uh, is is to you know, utilize your data uh, in other ways. Uh, whether they're doing that or not, I don't know. But uh, we wanted to make sure that we didn't store any of that stuff. So we don't have those huge costs. We just have a small relay that gets back to your hub. So, uh, you know, that we, we handle that securely. And, you know, so we, we keep our costs down quite substantially when it comes to those types of things so that we can make this work. Uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, especially former Eilish users who were able to just pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Now, they may not have been able to answer a question uh, and could just basically do the Google search for them. Uh, we just do email support. Uh, and, you know, but all of us are in the community and chatting with people and, you know, we'll answer questions on a Sunday at, at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon or, you know, 2 a.m. on a Friday night. So, you know, the reality is, is we're helping people, I think, far better. And you're talking to the people that actually write the code uh, rather than somebody who reads from a script uh, that answers a phone. So, you know, a lot of those costs, uh, you know, we've, we've managed uh, quite successfully because a lot of us that are part of this have, have run big businesses or, or small businesses. We know the costs that go into this. So I can't get into the financials for obvious reasons, but, uh, but, but we're real happy about uh, uh, where we are today. And uh, we're really excited, you know, with, uh, with our new hub, that, that tiny little hub that we didn't even bother uh, putting weights in it to, to weigh it down to, you know, which is, you know, if, you, if you've ever cracked a hub or, or any of these, you know, electronic stuff that they feel weighty and heavy, it's because they put weights in them. Uh, you know, I remember the manufacturer coming, you want to put weights in this? This is really light. I'm like, no, <laughs> I want that reaction from Tony that says, you know, I can't believe they have all this power in this tiny little thing. Back in the day, I bought a Garmin 220 running watch that I, when I took it out of the package, it was so light. I thought I had, it was a knockoff. I thought I had been, you know, robbed in some yeah. way and I, I turned it on and it worked just fine. So that speaks to the lightness of it. And, yeah. and what, it, what it speaks to a little bit too is we've gotten to that point where those radios are so efficient. We've gotten to the point where the, the boards are so great that you could do that. For those that are listening uh, on audio only and don't get a chance to see the video, 
this thing three by three is that would i be right three yeah, inches a little bit yeah uh yeah. Three maybe by an inch thick uh, uh less than an inch yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I just around here i'd give you that just for our audio listeners tony what else do you have what other questions yeah um one of the forums, you know, once again for Lowe's Iris was living with Iris and mm-hmm. a pretty active forum group. And now they've obviously, obviously had to branch out since Iris is no more. Yep. And there's, you know, kind of sub forms. And one of those is Hubitat. And so I cruised that right before the podcast. And one of the things they were bringing up was documentation. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as I read that, I said, well, that will be a lot of documentation for a hub that covers so many things. You know, because I, I even went to your site and looked at your videos and so forth. I think maybe a dozen or more. And the first two of those, there were some playback problems, but otherwise they were they were pretty handy. And I think what, it's one of those things like you know, Michael find out you have to get the product in your hand. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, and you know, it kind of comes with a simple setup card, and you go to the site and it you know, kind of walks you through. You reboot it. You know you pair devices, the, you know, kind of the built-in skills that you mentioned. We have a Chromecast and, you know, Ift and Alexa and the thermostats and so more, because that was one of the weird things for me when I was trying smart things. You could pair your thermostat, but I couldn't find a way to do it, you know, just a traditional schedule without doing some sort of add-on to it. it I kind of found that odd personally. But there is a lot built into the hub and, I mean, really an impulse buy at that price. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up a, uh, you know, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, we give you a blank canvas um, and and there is an art form to this, uh, of building uh, automations the way you want it. Uh, and, and we specifically wanted the interface to be Spartan because we didn't want to, you know, just pigeonhole you into one path and say, hey, you have to do it this way with our devices, you know, that walled garden approach. Uh, for some people who, uh, you know, I remember some of the Iris users who came over early on, they were really upset that we didn't have a way to transition them and all this documentation and everything. And, 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 and I agree with them. We didn't know Iris was shutting down. You guys didn't know Iris was shutting down. Um, you know, we, you know, they even said you couldn't connect Iris generation one Zigbee devices to any other hub. Uh, one of our engineers, uh, Mike Maxwell, who's like, it's Zigbee. We should be able to figure this out. So he reverse engineered it. Uh, had a proof of concept video up, uh, and then two weeks later, we're releasing it as a full-blown uh, integration. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we just kind of go, we can do this. You know, we have the flexibility and the capability to do it. Uh, and we realized there were a bunch of Iris users out there. Now, I had never used uh, Iris, so, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, how very narrow-focused it was in, 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 in walking you through it. You know, you, you, you had to tell it what device you wanted to pair, and then you had to pair it, and then you had to move on. So, you know, we, we actually did spend some time redoing our pairing process that you've seen now, and uh, uh, we'll continue to improve that. Uh, and so there, there are a lot of things that we can build on and make it better. Uh, but, but yeah, you choose what you want to install. Uh, so if you want to install Habitat Safety Monitor or Rule Machine or our, our Maker API, which, which gives you uh, a full RESTful API uh, with a whole bunch of gits that you can get all the device statuses, you can send commands, all that fun stuff. A lot of people are doing integrations that way. Or Habitat Dashboard. You choose what you want to install. So it's it's like getting a a phone, right? And you choose which apps you want to install on it. Uh, because we know that uh, even though we probably need to go down that path of pre-installing a whole bunch of stuff and setting it up and giving you some ideas on how to do that, uh, we started with that blank slate. We wanted to just say, hey, it's you know the old you know Latin tabula rasa. We want to just give you that that ability to build it the way you want to build it. 
And then we watch how you are doing that. We can't see it, uh, but we, we, you know, that's, that's why our community is so important is we see how people are doing it. We know that dashboards are so personal and you, and you go through our forums and you'll see that uh, people are doing some amazing things with dashboards. Uh, and that's why we spent a whole lot of time uh, rewriting dashboard because uh, we knew that, you know, for certain groups of people, again, a blank slate, you can add your grids, you can add your devices, you can add backgrounds, you can add videos, you can have all kinds of stuff. I saw one guy that did an animated GIF in the background posted a video to YouTube. He's like, my, my Google device doesn't work. My Amazon device doesn't work, but somebody's got to explain to me why Hubitat's dashboard is still working without internet. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, it's running local. Um, you know, so yeah. Um, but you know, one of the, one of our goals is to, um, uh, keep building, uh, video out for, for tutorials. Cause we know a lot of people like that. Uh, when we first started out, it was kind of a running joke. We didn't have time to build documentation. We were changing stuff so rapidly that uh, you know we don't we don't build to documentation we build to uh, to the demand and uh, and so it took us uh, oh, good six months after launch before we had a full set of documentation out there uh, and so we try to keep that up to date but you know um, you know I I'd, I'd much rather be adding features and, and focusing on stability than than getting the documentation looking pretty and uh, I know that frustrates some people but at the same time you know. I think I think we bet you know we're better off for the people that want to you know um, come along the journey with us is uh, uh, you, you do you know you do have to kind of figure it out but boy you know I really like in, like driving my car but you know I didn't hop into it and back up and parallel park the first day either so 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 Patrick do you, would you say when we think about you know we call this the average guy network I created these podcasts back in the day kind of for the average guy because technology was hard. Is your solution, though, kind of more targeted to the above average? In other words, I kind of need, like, I'm not going to necessarily give this to my friends and say, make this thing work. Or would I? I? I you know, look, I many people will argue over this. Uh, you know, I used to say, yeah, we, we, we're aimed at the tinker, the, DIY, the DIYer. Mm -hmm. I think if you've got a passion to do home automation mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form, I, I truly believe we're the best solution out there. Um, yes. You do have to learn the system. Yes, things aren't as intuitive as they could be, uh, but it's capable of it. And our customers tell us that over and over and over again. So when you want the most robust, capable home automation system that you can buy and get commercial support for, uh, we're, we're that answer. And, and being local and being able to work and, you know... I, I feel bad for, for Iris users and, and, you know, they had their system shut off, you know, with 90 days notice, we can't do that. You know, so, yeah. you know, we're the only hub out there that you can disconnect it from the internet and you can just say, I'm never doing another update. I'm never doing it. And as long as you've got that hub still working and there's no moving parts. So, you know, it'll, it'll run, you know, until the dang thing smokes and dies, you know? So, uh, you know, so that there's, there, there's safety in that. And then, I, you know, I, I kind of look at, you know, you see a lot of people who will go to these other systems that are cloud-based and they don't realize how much data they're pushing out there, you know, into the world. Uh, there's, a, there's a lovely news article. Uh, some researchers put together a program. I think it's, uh, again, I'm blanking on which uh, university now backed it, but it's an open source product. You can actually now spot all your IoT stuff and uh, see how much data is going out there. And it's shocking. You know, how much of, you know, personal data, identifiable data, these devices are, are sending out to the Internet to who knows where. And and so that's another part that, you know, as you get educated, it's like, yeah, um, 
it's important to realize that, you know, privacy is one of those things where people go, I don't care, or it's a huge deal. There, there's no middle ground there, right? No, right on. We, we hear this from our listeners all the time. The, the ones, you know, back in the day when the NSA was listening to, to everybody, or at least we thought, it was super passionate. They were, it was everybody, or it was, well, okay, you know, there's some, there's some select individuals uh, that, that are doing it. Tony, you had said, you, you threw the name of the, yeah, it's called a Princeton IoT Inspector. Okay. Yep. okay. And it's a Mac only tool right now, but it looks like they may be bringing it to Windows or Linux. And I want to fall back again on what he just said. Would I give this to my mother? Oh, no. Right. Um, like I say, I don't work in, I, you know, in uh, technology, you know, computers, but it is my hobby. I could do it. But Tony, I don't, would, I don't write code. But you can if you want to. Would you install it for your mom though? So say she wanted home automation. Would you would you put a solution like this in where you set it up like a, like you would traditional home automation, no, set up the dashboards for her and say make the don't don't mess her. I don't know. What do you think? Uh she lives five hours away and she only started texting within the last year. So probably not. <laughs> okay. So maybe that's a maybe that's a bad example. Patrick, yeah. as a installer, yeah. would this be a device I could use, set up people's you know, put it in, set up yeah. people's dashboards for them, say, yeah. don't monkey with this. Cause I think there's a whole group of population who wants it set up. They're not going to, they're not going to mess with it. Right. You, you hit a, a perfect. So our first alpha uh, actually here in San Diego uh, had not rebooted their hub for over a year. It was running the same version. They didn't even know the hub existed. Um, you know, we put it in and they, they, they forgot about it. Everything just worked, you know? And so, that's the type of uh, thing that we look at. It's like, yeah, it, you know, you've got to have a passion for wanting to set this up, you know, and, and seeing the benefit of it. And it's not hard to see the benefit when, when, you, when you've actually gone through and, and, and do that. But, but you, you hit the nail right on the head. We don't, we don't want, I mean, we love our tinkers. We love the people who are constantly tweaking and playing around with it. But I think our, our core user is somebody who's going to spend a weekend setting this stuff up and then never touch it again, Right. And when we track versions, you know, uh, the only thing we know about the hub is every day it checks in. That's that's all because it's got to check to see if there's a version available. And so we just know what version you're running. That's it. Um, and uh, and and we just did this today. We were looking at the the um, the number of versions that are out there that people haven't updated. And uh, you know, because there's no reason for them. And so you know, yeah, the vast majority of our customers are updating the latest, and 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 we love that. Um, but but there are people who are just you know happy as, as clams as these devices just, you know, it just works. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like my mother example, you know, if you, you know, the kitchen pantry, you know, how often do you come into the house with a bag full of groceries and and you're like trying to elbow that light, you know, and and, and at my parents' house, the light switches on the wrong side of the house, you know, or or the pantry, what have you You just open the door, the light turns on five minutes later, the light turns off, you know, simple stuff like that. Uh, Peace of mind stuff like water monitoring, uh, you know, those simple apps where you can just take a few devices uh, and and put it together, yeah, that's a great opportunity. And you know, I'll do the shameless plug thing for eighty nine bucks and a few sensors. Uh, you know, that peace of mind is pretty darn cheap. Yeah. No monthly yeah. fees or anything. Along those lines. No, we have a lot. I I come out of a home server. Tony mentioned this earlier. This podcast is kind of born out of a home server podcast that we did ten years ago, where we we were all you know building these multi terabyte you know uh, servers in our homes. And, and a lot of a lot of the guys were doing this for family members. So while it was a bad example on Tony, Mike, maybe a better example to you, your mom and dad, would you install this in their house? And 
just turn it over to him, knowing what you know about it. I, your, your parents seem maybe a, a little more savvy. Do you think you'd do that? Yeah, I totally wouldn't, especially, you know, cause they have, they have a few places where they're not there all the time. Uh, and then a main hub where they're at all the time. And I think this would be perfect for them. And like you said, if you can set it, forget it. And if it can run without the updates all the time, uh, my mom is a, you know, a creature of habit, like the, like the rest of us, right. You get her set up on something like we set her up years ago on using an airplay speaker in the house that connects to their, their in-house. They have one of those in-house systems that spreads to speakers all over the house. And we set up an airplay speaker. And that is, that is the one way she knows how to play music to the rest of the house. Like I've tried to teach her. I'm like, Oh mom, now you got a bunch of other ways. There's Sonos, there's this, there's that. Nope. That is the one way she's going to do it. So oh. totally. I, I, I would, if this was a system that I could set up, forget, let it sit there and run in the background and let them have a hub for all their smart home. Perfect. And that's what actually, yeah. honestly, it's what I've been looking for too, for them. Cause they've been looking for this sort of system where it's, it's a, it's one system that does this sort of control. They're not one to log in and do updates and they're not one. And my mom is a security freak if i told her i can't even access this from outside your home without a vpn they don't know i have a vpn in their house i do um but if she if <laughs> now she, they know yeah, they, yeah well now, now they know right because they watch the show but um before this show they didn't they know what i did right. uh yeah, but if they right. knew that there was no cloud access this is exactly yeah. what someone in my parents generation wants my mom is all about security she doesn't want accessibility i mean she is an apple fan and barely trusts HomeKit. Because of the amount of data they could send out. Yeah. So this is perfect for that scenario. No, I think that's a good, I think it's a really good scenario for it where it's kind of system integrator where you're going in, putting it in place, giving them instructions, maybe helping them set it up one time. And Mike, to your point, for those for those that are worried about security, you've really got a, a good, Patrick, what about though, if you need to push, what if you find a flaw and you need to push something to get them yeah. to update? Well, how does that work? Well, you know, that's that, that's one of the challenges uh, yeah. is, you know, in theory, uh, you know, when that hub checks in, we have the ability to notify the hub that, that there's an update. But philosophically, we've we've decided that, you know, you're responsible for your hub. Um, and, and case in point, the ultimate security is no Internet connection whatsoever. Um, and so, you know, if you truly want to be hacker proof, air gap the thing, you know, yeah. um, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's about as good as you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it, it is, I, I've had security researchers like, well, you know, you need, you need to push firmware updates. I'm like, it's a home automation system. I've heard horror stories after horror stories of, of cloud-based manufacturers pushing updates and then it breaks something. Breaking them. You know, yeah. um, yep. and so we, we think that all automation is local. You should be in control of it. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I haven't seen anybody perfect over the air updates. You know, I just had the other day uh, my iPad, which I have on my bedside at, at uh, like 2 a.m. in the morning, flashed a bright light and said, doing an update. You know, it was a great way to wake up. Uh, it's my iPad, you know. Um, yeah. So, no, it's good you know, I agree with you. Yes, there, that is a decision, you know, is, is we made that decision. Is it technically possible for us to push an update out? Yes. Will we ever turn that on? I hope not. You know, I, I, you know but, you know, we'll... We'll certainly, you know, we have other ways that we can effectively communicate to our customers, right? We we know which version you're on and and your hub's registered. So we can contact you and say, hey, it's pretty good that you either disconnect from the internet or upgrade your hub. So you could, I mean, regist users register. You could push an email notification that says, oh, yeah. hey, 
we we've discovered a security vulnerability. You need to update to this this version of the firmware. Yeah, absolutely, Patrick. Any other? We're we're coming up on the end of our time here, and I've kept you a, a little longer than I thought. You've been very, 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 very kind to us. Anything else you we didn't cover or anything? You you released a whole bunch of new information. Here. I think you said two or three times. I think this is the first time I'm saying this, which you're very kind to say, by the way. Right. But uh, I appreciate that. Anything else that we 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 didn't get that you want to throw in before we let you go? You know, uh, the, the the challenge you know is is one of awareness, and and so I I encourage our users to just you know keep talking about it, and and I really thank uh, you know Tony for uh, for his active participation on on Twitter and and in the community and everybody else. Uh, as Gavin mentioned, we you know we are going to be launching something we call Habitat Live, where we're going to you know continue to have these kinds of conversations uh, and and really extend our community out there and and, and show a lot of. A lot of things that are uh, that are going to be happening, and so we're going to do that every two weeks, which is really going to kind of co- coincide with our our our, um, our updates, our platform updates are about every two weeks as well. So uh, to try to just communicate out a little bit more effectively, and so yeah, that's been the hardest challenge. Is you know, there's so many misconceptions and and misunderstandings of of what this space is, uh, and uh, for us, it's about control. You know, you control what data you want to put out there. I think that's important. Um, I'll just mention it because I know we've talked a lot about security, but you know, as we look at uh, the Google Home products and the Amazon products, and I think I've been pretty good. I know the community's been, uh, the, the live chat's been talking about anybody time uh, mentioning that uh, the name, uh, the, name, the invoke uh, name. Uh, yes, I've been yeah. trying to keep away from that. You've, you've done uh, very well. Uyghur blew it, but you've done you've done very well. Um, but uh, uh, that, that's always fun because my kids are so rude to. Uh, you know the, those names that shouldn't be said, uh, and and it's it's it, it's getting belligerent now to the point. Um, you know, we set time to use it in the kitchen, and they're like, "Shut up!" <laughs> but she responds that way. It's great. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but what what I wanted to say is our integration with those services, uh, unlike other competitors, uh, other competitors are, send every device data, every data point, everything that's going over to these cloud services, and people aren't aware of that. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that we make very clear when you set up uh, a Google Home integration or an Amazon integration or any other integration is you have to choose the devices you want to connect to it. And and that's um, that's important to me is is you opt in to what you're going to send out. Uh, and we don't ever send out anything uh, automatically uh, from that side of things. So, you know, that security principle, uh, again, you know, you're in control. Uh, you have to learn how to use that and what that means. And some people will complain that it's a lot of extra clicks, but it's important. Uh, and so, so that's one of those areas. Uh, but, but I think, uh, you know, it, it's important for us to, you know, to, to really emphasize the fact that we focused on reliability, uh, you know, that, that uptime, that run, you know, things should just work. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's integrating with Lutron or, or Philips Hue uh, or Sonos uh, as local devices go we, we've always focused on local first cloud second uh, for integrations uh, but then zigbee and z-wave devices we want those things to work a hundred percent of the time and so you know the challenge is always building out the mesh and and uh, um, and I know Tony mentioned one thing is uh, he had to bring his hub around and and some people do that there's a misconception about that uh, most of the time if it's not going to pair in place it's probably not going to work well so uh, that's something that I try to um, emphasize to people that pair it in place first, or at least try, uh, and 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 consider the 
how mesh networks work. And I know we didn't get a whole lot of detail into that, but it's kind of like a spider web. The more connections, the more repeating that's happening, the better. Um, but Z-Wave has some significant limitations. You can only have four repeaters to a device. So uh, we need to build better tools to make people aware of that. Uh, Zigbee doesn't have that issue. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's some apples and oranges kind of things, but, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges people have is building out a solid mesh. Um, I've got 230 some devices on my system. Uh, and, uh, our, I think our highest count, we had somebody over 500 devices on their system. So it's, and, and on that tiny little hub, um, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, you really need to know what you're doing to do that. But, uh, um, but for a handful of uh, devices all the way up to really big systems, you know, this, this platform can do it. I know you said we're just a hub, but, but because we built this system to have multiple hubs, we're seeing users now mature to the point in which they're you know, building kind of like a hub and spoke concept where they'll have different hubs scattered throughout the house and then have a, a master uh, control hub that, that does that. Uh, you know, so there's all kinds of different configurations uh, to, to be kind of infinitely expandable. Let's, let's make sure this is an inside joke, but let's make sure we don't tell Dave McCabe you can have multiple hubs around his house because he <laughs> will definitely buy about 80 of these things. Tony, yeah. one more, one yeah, more I'll thought. Give a, I'll give him a ball. Yeah, that's fine. Going back to what he said, yeah, actually, most of my motion sensors and uh, contact sensors did pair in place. But I guess the garage door sensors use secure pairing. One of those did secure in place. The other one only paired once I brought the hub very close to it. So it can be kind of how finicky the device wants to be as well. Yeah, and especially on Z-Wave. Z-Wave is one of those things that, you know, there's there's kind of three different generations of Z-Wave that are, that are out there. Uh, and unfortunately, if you have one of these routers that doesn't want to pass the secure key through or doesn't su support something called network-wide inclusion, uh, these things just won't, they won't work. Uh, and, and, and that's the unfortunate part of it. And that's where the, uh, uh, the, 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 the ideal that you have to be closest to the hub. Uh, Z-Wave also has something called exclusion, which, uh, you know, again, uh, one of the common misconceptions is that the owner of that device, the device, so this is, this is a, a wall moat by AOTech. It's a really cool little thing. It's got little four buttons from that side of things. Uh, but, you can exclude a Z-Wave device from any Z-Wave controller. So even if this is paired to one Hubitat hub, I could go and grab any, any Z-Wave controller and exclude it. So, uh, and, and that's, that's one of those misconceptions. They think they have to exclude everything from their Iris hub or their Wink hub or their SmartThink hub or Vera before they bring it over. You can actually use the exclude option on Hubitat to exclude, exclude Z-Wave devices before you include it. And that's usually a good indication. If it, if you don't, if it can't exclude, you probably aren't going to be able to include it. Uh, and so that's a good practice. And, and we just rewrote that discovery process. And so we're going to get some information out there, but I think, uh, um, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll continue to improve that, uh, uh that communication, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the biggest challenge anybody's going to have is moving systems and boy, if we could figure it out and trust me, we've got a lot of, uh, spare time dedicated to trying to clone other systems and try to move it over. Nobody's made that easy, um, but uh, you know, if there's if there's going to be a way that we're going to figure it out, how to at least move from one habitat system to another, uh, we're going to figure it out. Uh, and so that's something that uh, you know we do spend a lot of time trying to figure out. You know, we're hackers by heart. You know, we, we like solving complex problems. But I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if we can we can we can do that. Uh, yeah. I, the majority I'm, of them did pair quite quickly. Yeah. And why I say, you know, make sure that you kind of do one at a time because it'll come up with a generic name. So know which sensor you have. 
And I think this really is the best hub for Mike Weger. It really is. He's a taker <laughs> by heart. And with me, you know, Irish, you have to operate in the confines of their paradigm. So now I'm like, with Hubitat, I go, oh, I can do this, then this, then this, you know. So I'm having to think outside the box. And actually, it's kind of exciting. So once again, Mike Weger, he's going to, this weekend, it's on sale, 90 bucks. Oh, there you go, I think, I, I think you've got me. The tinkerer, the uh, the open possibilities, and just another project in general. Sure, I'm yeah. down. Yeah, you need, uh, a, I th- you need a new one. I think I do. I think this is the one. next project. And and if the wife acceptance factor is there, uh, I think you got me a little she bit. She shouldn't even see it, my friend. She shouldn't that's even see it. It should just work. That's the plan. She shouldn't plan. know it's even been installed. Yeah, and hopefully I she know. doesn't see the, the delivery the bill. Uh, show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the bill is fine. It's a delivery uh, to the door. It's the issue. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll warn you, uh, as most people know. Yeah. Our hub may now only be costing eighty nine ninety five at Hubitat.com. Shameless plug. I apologize again. No, no. It's, uh, it's great. <laughs> but but the devices add up quickly. Yes, they do. <laughs> what about the marital therapy? Is that is that included <laughs> as part of a subscription? No, I'm just joking. No, but but you know uh, we do have uh, we do have uh, quite a few uh, uh, female members of our community that uh, that talk about how they're using it too. So you may want you know we've got some some great uh, folks that are that are you know uh, convincing their husbands that this is a good thing too. Yeah. So. Um, my wife is actually, she'll go in and, and write rules. We have automated shades. So she's, she's going in and she's like, Oh, Hey, I, I want to make sure, you know, the shades go down at this time and they go up at that time. And, and so she's doing a, a bunch of stuff along those lines too. So, well, I think that's the key, Patrick, right? You've made the dashboards pretty easy to, to work with and configure. Yeah. And so when that, when you get past that point and the technology just works, people will use it. And so if you if you can make that work right and and maybe get it on a device that works well and, and is large enough to to mess with those, I think well, you got a good thing going. That was, you know, that's the other reason why we don't do the administration of the mobile app is we've all done the administration of previous hubs in a mobile app. And that sucks. You could hire the best UI designers in the world and they're still not going to be able to do it effectively. But from a desktop or from a tablet or a larger screen interface, it's a lot more comfortable and a lot easier to do. And, and we're just, you know, we're a whole bunch of Gen Xers and, and, a, and a baby boomer or two that, uh, yeah, you know, yay for Gen Xers. We're so skeptical. Uh, you know, we're so, we're so cynical. Nobody uh, talks about us either. It's always millennials, millennial this, millennial that. I know, because we're the middle generation. We can't <laughs> complain, we complain about millennials. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've got two. I've got totally two right. Yeah. Uh, it's totally our right. right. We knew growing up, we got, we got, we got, blamed for everything by you know our parents and our grandparents right so now it's our turn to complain about something and you know we're just kind of like eh (laughs) (laughs) patrick thank you for taking the time tonight uh to come on i appreciate that if we ask you to come back uh whenever what we always say is if if you got something you want to talk about would you would you let us know so we could have you back on to talk about absolutely man i love this uh you know i'm happy to come back anytime uh you know uh, I'm, I, I love doing this. I've been, I, I, I did my first podcast in 2006. So, mm. you know, right when it was coming out. So I, I, you know, we're going to be doing more of this, our Hubitat live. Good. Uh, you know, like I said, we're going to be doing that every two weeks, but you know, I'm happy to get out, uh, and kind of evangelize home automation as a whole, you know, whether or not you use Hubitat or not, I do think we are now in this Renaissance where devices are cheap. It is for the average guy. Uh, you, you have to want to do it. You know, so, you know, if you don't want to do it, uh, you know, don't bother. But if you want to figure it out, uh, there's never been a better time. Uh, and, you know, we, we're seeing hundreds of millions of, of uh, home uh, voice assistants being sold out there. Then, then people are kind of going, well, maybe I could turn a light bulb on or off. Well, 
that's where the addiction starts, you know, but if you want to do it seriously and you want to do it reliably, you know, we, we think we built that uh, and we're going to be ahead of the curve when everybody kind of goes, why, why, why doesn't that work when the internet's down? You know, why doesn't, you know, so we're, we're already seeing, you know, folks like Amazon and Google and stuff trying to figure out how to do this locally. We started with local and we'll finish with local. So, you know, that's, that's the key for us. How long is the sale? We'll have some folks that are going to listen to this, you know, past the weekend. Right now it's on the site at 89. How long is that going to go for? You know, I, I never know how long the sales okay. are going to go. I'm, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> so go check, check. If you're listening live, just buy it now. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to my voice a week or two from now, check out the site, hubtat.com. I can reasonably say, you know, through Easter weekend, uh, but how long after that, I wouldn't hesitate. Uh, okay. So, Okay. Yeah, uh, okay. you know, we 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 do have a history of running sales. This is the lowest price we've ever had it. You know, we have we've we went one time below ninety nine uh, just before we launched our new hub with the old product. But uh, this is this is uh, you know, and I you know, timing is everything. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, some some one of our competitors had pretty bad outage. Uh, uh, cloud competitor, so a lot of those <laughs> kind of got fed up and and. Uh, uh, Placed a lot of orders with the sales. So, and I've yeah. seen, uh, and I really want to say thanks to all the people in the chat room for uh, that they placed their order tonight. That's awesome. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, you know, we 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 tend to believe we built this for the people that that want to use it. You know, yeah. and, and you can tinker to your heart's content, but like you said, it's really you know uh, at at its core one of these set it and forget it kind of things. Um, like the motion sensor, I've got a, I've got a Zigbee motion, two motion sensors, one on either end of the hallway and some Hue light bulbs. I have not touched that automation in over 18 months. Mm-hmm. It just works every single night, every single time. Super. Uh, Super. and it's kind of my, you know, canary in the coal mine, right? I know there's going to be something wrong with my hub. Like I'm going to panic. <laughs> uh, this is how conditioned I was to cloud-based stuff. You know, you'd walk past the motion sensor, you're like, is that battery dead? Or is the thing going to work? Oh, the light turned off. You know, with this, it's, Oh yeah, it's on. Yep. And so that's the kind of reliability we look for. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not like an immediate out of the box. It's going to work. You have to understand, you know, I have a very large, you know, spread out house, not large bra- bragging wise, but just the construction it's, it's spread out. And so I had a lot of challenges putting proper mesh, you know, repeaters uh, all throughout my house to make this, this work. Um, but uh, you know, so that's, that's a challenge. That's not unique to us. That's, you know, that's just home automation today. But, um, and by the way, I'm a big fan of uh, Ubiquity stuff too. I've got- hmm. well, They're getting real popular here on this show too. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I've got so, six Wi-Fi access points uh, trying to cover- Let's not start another show. They'll start talking about <laughs> yeah. that, Patrick. And we're like, don't- Don't get me started. Don't, don't, don't bring it up. We, you know, I'm happy to talk about anything other than Hubitat too. So uh, I'm a geek yeah? at art and a video okay. game. And I'm okay. just an average guy too. So, well, thanks for being a friend of the show tonight yeah. and for Thank giving you. us an hour and a half. I, I greatly appreciate it. We'll um, we'll let you go. I'll close things up here. We'll probably do a little post show, but uh, but uh, thanks for jumping in here and being a part of things. And 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 uh, do let me know if you got some stuff you want to talk about, some new releases or whatever that you're doing. Just let us know. We'll have you back on and love to you know, talk about it some more. Talk about the mobile app when it uh, when it comes yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no pressure there, Patrick. Thanks for jumping in. Hit the red, hit the red, hang up, and uh, and we'll, thanks, we'll hope to talk to you again. Thanks for jumping in here. Yeah, you bet, Tony. I'll say this too. Thanks for jumping in here tonight and and hanging oh, around with us. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I contacted Ubiquity to just try to get them on. No response. <laughs> well, okay, if we'll give you them. Could get it then that would be that would be pretty awesome. We'll we'll give we'll give them some time. Again, big big thanks to Patrick Stewart there uh, at Hubitat. It's always fun. Um, you know, we we had you know we've had some folks on here that have been small and got smaller. We've had some folks who are small and got bigger. Uh, and, and Tony, thanks for the, you know, you're a, a really good example. You have always been super plugged into the community. You've been a great contributor to those things. You've been a great contributor to the podcast. We see you live when you can make it. Uh, I just appreciate you and your willingness. It was great to hear you on home on. If you haven't, if you haven't ever listened to home on, by the way, it's one of those you should be listening to if you're in the home innovation space, Tony, what number show were you on with, with the. Uh, it was a uh, one seventeen, and unless something changes, I'm gonna be on Home Tech FM here soon too. Nice, they're making the rounds, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nicely, nicely done. The best thing ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If it hadn't been for the for Lowe's Iris, right, going out, that you, you had the uh, best knowledge of that, though. I tell you, yeah, you you did. Yeah, like I say, it's one of those examples. You don't really realize what you have until you don't have it anymore. And it, it did get better. And, you know, talking about the, the uh, it was, I guess the first version was more web portal. And then they went to the more mobile version. Everybody complained about no web portal. And they were building up the web portal again. And then they shut down. And, but it still is pretty exciting with this new product, you know, talking about all the possibilities. Yeah. No. You know, lots right of integrations. And it, it, this is the system for Mike. Let me tell you, it is. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I think it might be. I think there's one coming this weekend. Let me close this up because it's going to be a monster long show. And uh, not that it matters, but many, many people, well, uh, we appreciate if you listen this far and you're on the recorded version. First of all, thanks to the live audience. Amazing folks out there tonight uh, jumping in. Some new folks and some some folks who are out there all the time. Thanks for listening tonight. We appreciate you guys coming out and doing that. Just a couple of reminders as we close it up. One, don't forget, we want to thank all our Patreon subscribers Appreciate what you guys do every single month and in supporting the show. That helps us do the mobile app. That helps me purchase equipment when we need it here in the studio. Those kinds of things. Appreciate it. If you want to support the show and the things that we do, we're not going anywhere. We're 10 years strong this December. We're not going, well, Uyghur, we're not going anywhere, right? No, no, okay. no, no. All right. Maybe I should, I should really check with the boss. <laughs> but we, uh, uh, if you want to, if you want to help us out, the average guy.tv slash Patreon, a buck, whatever you want to do. That's fine. You can get that in there. And it's okay. I paid my taxes already this year, so I'm kind of past that point. So if you want to subscribe out there on <laughs> Patreon, uh, love to have you do that as well. Don't forget, maybe we should start a uh, a group on Discord around this specifically, Mike. Uh, maybe you should create a channel for that on our Discord channel. What do you think? No, yeah, I mean, we no, could do that. Yeah. Uh, for now, include it in the smart home. And if that starts to take off oh. as uh, more of a, because we have a smart home yeah. channel. Great idea. So put it in there. And if it starts to you know, spawn off into its own conversation. We'll definitely create a channel right. for it. Sounds good. The average guy.tv slash discord. Don't forget if you get one of these head over to their own community. I mean, it's great. You discuss it in ours, but there's probably more people out there in their own communities doing that as well. So make sure you get tied into that as well. I mean, I know we're a nice community and all, but make sure you tie into their community um, as well. Don't forget the average guy.tv, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove partners. If you want to get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people that you know, and you trust it's Christian, you know that 10 plans start at $10 a month to get uh, some of the best hosting that's out there. And really WordPress enabled and great for podcasting. You can head out to maplegrovepartners.com. 
We are live every Thursday, and I, I, apparently there's going to be a conflict with their podcast now. Tony, is that right? Are they are they doing it at the same time? Are they doing it at seven seven central here? Are they I, going live? I think it was. Okay, I was like, man, you know, see what my loyalty's like. <laughs> no, so here's the deal: you have an official hall pass on the Thursdays that Habitat is doing their podcast. Maybe put them in one ear and us in the other and just kind of go back and forth. Or we record this live for you. You come back and listen to it later. Whatever you need to do. But we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, after theaverageguy.tv slash live. And we'd love to have you join us on Thursdays. If you normally listen to the recorded program, just come out and listen. Try, try it one time. Come out and join us live. We'll see you back here next week. Uh, no crypto in the post show this week. So if you're listening to this and you're going to go right over to Patreon to listen to the crypto, no crypto. We're going to do a short post show uh, as it is. And uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.